brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Is it time for sour or is it time for suds? This is Sip Suds and Smokes. Welcome to the Suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here today, good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table or good old gal Juliana. Hi, everyone. And she sounds so peachy. <laughs> Should give her another beer for sure already, right <laughs> off the bat. Good old boy Dave is here at the table. Hey, how you doing, buddy? And good old boy Kendall. Really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Kendall also has a blog you'll hear more about at the end of the show today. It's called Beer Makes Three. This Sip, Suds, and Smokes episode is sponsored by Peabody Wine and Beer Merchants. Taste it before you buy it and ship it at Peabody's. You can reach them at www.peabodyswineandbeer.com, where our said segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer. Today's show is all about sour beer with lots of special guests. They're super special. But, Dave, you're just special, not a special guest. Ouch. <laughs> we starting already? All right. Absolutely. <laughs> Bring it. Kendall gets the honor of going over our Suds ratings for today. So, Kendall, listen, this is your first time reading these, and we have a long-standing tradition that everybody blows it the first time, man. So. <laughs> the bar is high, buddy. The bar a, is high. I have a high measure of confidence that you can hit the bar of mediocrity. Okay, take it away, Kendall. We'll be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with these Suds ratings, plus our signature belching sounds. Here are those ratings now. One, that sucks. Give me anything but a bud. Two, was that a belch? Three, ah, what a relief. Four, a body should really not make that sound. And five, listen to that hang time. Give me another. Way too good. Way to screw up by not screwing up, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I wish we could smell this radio show and those belch ratings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely think that's the case. I've, I've smelled it. It's not that good. <laughs> it does It does smell really good in here, that's for sure. Well, like I mentioned earlier, this show is all about sour beers, but uh, this is actually a new style of show for us. This is going to be part of a series on discussing sour beers in regional areas. This style of beer tends to be made in small quantities with lots of love. And Dave, and don't always uh, they don't always enjoy a broad range of distributions. So, these are not what I would describe as white whale status, uh, because you can actually find these beers. Um, a lot of them are actually distributed directly at a lot of the tap rooms and out of the breweries, um, or usually in very small, close proximity, you know, to the breweries themselves. Many of our mail order partners have these uh, beers in stock, so if you can't find them locally um, and you can order mail order, that might be an, uh, another choice for you as well. So here are the beers that we're going to actually talk about today. Um, 
The uh, the first is going to be Yazoo Brewing, and we're going to get to hear from Brandon Jones, who is the brewer there. The two beers we're going to get to talk about are Indominus Dolium and Derogue. Uh, batch two is uh, the beer we're going to uh, get to talk about from Yazoo. From Wicked Weed, we'll get to hear from Walt Dickinson, who is the head blender, as well as the Oblivion Sour Red and the Red Angel, the two beers we're going to talk about from there. And from Gesture King out of Austin, Texas, Garrett Crowell is the head brewer there. We're going to talk about La Petite Prince and Nocturne Chrysalis are the beers that we're going to get to talk about. So we actually have a new twist for each of these breweries today. Normally, we actually don't talk with a lot of people from the breweries actually during the show. We know a lot of these folks you know, at a lot of the breweries we talk to, but we really like for the what uh, is in the glass to really kind of speak for itself and so we're changing a bit of that model for these shows and that i've invited the brewers to actually introduce their beers to us and talk a little bit about some of the backgrounds so um while we uh we won't rate uh, these mostly lame radio voices <laughs> wow that's rude well, I, get them to come back. yeah i know we'll see uh, but we will be tasting and rating their beers for sure. So uh, their uh, their radio careers are definitely safe. Uh, they don't have to worry about that. Well, uh, some really great stuff. We'll charge right into it. So up first is going to be Brandon Jones from Yazoo Brewing, and he'll be introducing the beers for us. Hey, everybody. Listening to Sips, Suds, and Smokes, this is Brandon Jones. I'm the funky brewer here at Yazoo Brewing Company, and I'm here to talk about two beers today from our Embrace the Funk line. Um, the first one is our Deruges, and the second one will be Indominus Dolium. The uh, first beer that we're going to talk about is the uh, Deruges Ale, and that beer is the first beer that Linus and I brewed together um, back in 2012 from the ground up. We'd done a few little blends, um, some stuff with beer that was already made, worked, it was already produced, but this was the first beer that we brewed from the ground up. Um, we actually went over to the old Marathon facility where Corsair is now, and we, we brewed that beer. I think that was the first time Linus had been back um, to do anything with that system since Yazoo had moved over to the Division Street location where where they're located now. Um, so this beer has a pretty deep history with me. I uh, worked on this recipe. It was one of my first that I brewed at home. I've worked on that recipe since about 2005, 2006, I think is when I got really interested in brewing a uh, Flanders Red style. Um, the uh, Flanders Red style, the Oud Brune style, was the one that was really my sour beer epiphany. That was the one that turned me on to sour beer, so it was definitely something I wanted to learn how to brew at home. So I read a lot of books, um, tried to do as much research as I could on the different flavor profiles of all the different um, styles, where there uh, was uh, some of the darker ones like Duchess or the classic Flanders uh, Rodenbach. Um, developed that, that uh, recipe out for a few years and when Linus and I got um, got hooked up to do our uh, uh, Embrace the Funk line and we were actually going to produce this beer from the ground up that was the one that I knew that we had to go with um, it was a favorite of mine a lot of people um, before I started Yazoo that was one of the ones that people were trading beers for uh, trading uh, commercial examples for they really wanted that beer it did really well for me in a lot of the homebrew competitions that I was entering in um, 
So um, I'd never really done barrel aging though on that other than putting in some oak chips. So that was a little bit new to me. So we ordered up, um, ordered up uh, I think it was uh, six Merlot barrels that we got that were uh, super fresh. Got them in, um, checked them out. I think I looked at the barrels every day for a couple weeks until we were ready to brew. I was so excited. Um, once we got the batch brewed, uh, brought it back over to uh, Yazoo, fermented it upstairs uh, in an area that uh, would later become the, the funk area um, in, uh, at Division Street. So um, we just, what we did was, is we took the beer out of this uh, stainless container put it into the barrels and let that sit um, i sampled it a few times um, had some good advice from my friend troy casey that uh he was at ac golden at the time you know just to not oversample don't oversample it and so i tried to keep my hands off of it um a couple months later we tasted it again i felt like it was getting ready we um let it sit a few more months and then uh, took our variations off of that we ended up making a cherry version and a grand crew version um, because our fermenter at the time for um, that, that we had for the funky beers would only hold a certain amount of, uh, of beer so we had the proper amount of beer to go into it uh, we pulled linus and i stood upstairs and um, pulled off samples we you know came with different blends that we liked different proportions and we finally ended up locking in the blend and we released that one in january 2014 that was our first bottle release was uh, that batch one uh, we went on to uh, brew a uh, batch two which we just released um, in 2015 that uh, has sold very well people are really enjoying that i i'm i'm more partial i think to actually batch two um I, it was really closer to what my uh, homebrew recipes were um i think it ended up pretty pretty close to what i wanted to on on that beer <clears throat> one of the things i do like about that beer and what i was the changes that we kind of made on that uh, were definitely in the aroma of it i did want to uh, get in a little bit more of the uh, cherry notes in there some more raisin some more plum um, a little bit of perceived sweetness on the nose when you drink it because it's going to be very sour on the finish and especially with the merlot barrels and the wine you're going to get that acidity and that uh, tannic dryness from the actual barrels and the oak so the uh the aroma definitely has a uh, has a nice uh, cherry and plum um i, wanna, I don't want to say fruitcake but some of the characters you would smell and taste on on fruitcake um the taste up front you um some people get the sour up front myself i get a little bit of uh, a raspberry and blackberry up front and that really transitions back into the uh, dark fruits and sour there's a slight lemony character in the in the finish um, but then i think the finish definitely goes right back to uh, blackberry and plum with the uh, oaky oaky finish on it uh, you know overall impression i think you know the beer to me um, hits exactly what the classic flanders does um, on the aroma the flavor the um the thing that i i really like about the beer is i don't like a whole lot of carbonation in my beer so i kind of shoot for a little bit lower uh, when you do have acidic beer and sour beer i don't think you need that extra carbonation in there to uh, the carbonic acid to, to hit your tongue too i really want you to taste more of the beer so you know this beer being a very much a hybrid of a wine versus a um a uh, a beer i think it does finish more like a red wine um 
on that future plans yeah we're gonna do uh we're gonna do this beer every year i mean this one is was the first one it's truly it's it's my baby of this one i mean i think you know i don't want to say it's my favorite my you know, i think we brew all sorts of great beers but it's it's a very special one it's probably the best way to put it um because it was the first one that we brewed together uh the base of that beer is also the the uh, beer for our award-winning uh, cherry derugia's version which we won a uh, bronze medal with at the great american beer festival in 2014 so uh you know the beer you can change it up uh it's a great blend to blend into other things i've done that before but yeah it's something definitely we'll we'll keep going with um i do like to reuse some of the barrels we do buy fresh barrels for the other batches but i do like to use the other barrels um because the cultures are starting to get strong and we're actually able to i think we're going to start knocking down a month or two off of the fermentation time which i think will help us out a lot uh in the long run and stability and we're still getting all the all the character out of it that uh that we want all right, so the second beer that we're going to talk about is Indominus Dolium. Uh, this is an interesting beer. It was a beer that we teamed up with my friend Skyler that owns Rocky Mountain Barrel Company. He's our barrel broker. And uh, so Skyler and I had been talking about doing a collaboration. We'd never heard about a brewer and barrel broker collaboration. You hear about brewery to brewery, brewery to restaurant, you know, brewery to farmer type thing. Uh, we'd never heard about anybody doing that. So we thought that'd be kind of cool. So we got to talking about the different barrels i typically like to design my beers around the micros i'm going to use and the barrels i'm going to get and then build a recipe out from that instead of starting with a recipe and then sourcing those out um, i really big into the barrel character a lot of our beers do have a huge barrel presence in them which is is something i, I truly enjoy in them um, but this beer he and i talked about what would come available what would be interesting um, different that really nobody had gotten at that point and we came up with these 40 and 50 year old uh, cognac barrels and um, he actually had to go over to uh, to Europe and go to the cooperage and um, and help recoup some of them uh, because these barrels were they're gorgeous barrels had a killer character to them but the hoops needed to be redone so he went over there for that uh, resent the bear or sent the barrels over to us we brewed uh, what we came up with was a uh, old ale and one of the things I, I've liked about old ales is they can be there there are some sweet ones, but there are some that can be very dry and very clean and very balanced. And so what I tried to shoot for was more of a historic style old ale. You know, a lot of back in the day most things had probably a Brett character to it. And for them it would have been an infection. For us, we're doing it on purpose to uh, recreate that um, there's a yes there's a variation in Britannomyces that was isolated from English stock ale barrels so um, we were able to get that uh, that variation in Britannomyces uh, one of the yeast used here at Yazoo is an English yeast so we end up using the uh, house uh, English ale yeast here uh, fermented the uh, beer very low uh, I think I fermented it at 58 to 60 degrees um, just so we could really I knew a beer, a 10, 10.5% beer that's going into a, a barrel with spirits, I did not want this to be a booze a booze bomb at all. So, um, you know, lucky for us, we had some yeast that was just screaming angry. I think it was third or fourth generation at that point, so it was ready to go. So we fermented the beer, primary and stainless. 
once we took it into the barrels that's when I added the bread and uh, it aged uh, I think we aged it about six months in the in the uh, cognac barrels um, the beer turned out I think it was really nice uh, I heard uh, one one review said this shouldn't work but it does and that made me really happy because if if you're making beers that people have already tasted then you know you're probably not doing much interesting stuff so that's what we were trying to do is shoot for something extremely interesting with this um, aroma again in this one I think you are gonna get from the darker malts that we used in there and uh, part of the Britannomyces will give you a cherry uh, up front a cherry nose with toffee and caramel in the nose um, you will get a little bit of some nutty um, sweetness in the smell from the cognac if you've ever had the uh, tesseron cognac you, you you will know you you'll be able to tell the difference in, uh, in in the cognac so yeah that one definitely has a distinct uh, nose on it the uh, the taste yeah it definitely is smooth that's what I wanted to go for the the smoothness is up front um, uh, there's a lot of people say this just does not drink like a 10 10 and a half percent beer which uh, I guess can be good or it could be dangerous if you got a few bottles sitting in front of you it could um, it could make for a fun night uh, taste in there it's got a sweetness to it which I definitely wanted because it, you know it still needs some body to it it's got to be able to stand up to the barrel and the oak so the uh, the sweetness in there caramel toffee again carries on through from the aroma um, the cognac comes in the we've got two different blends of this uh, the one that uh, we're sampling today is the uh, blend two was which was actually a blend of two barrels uh, which is the second release of this um, the previous one was a blend of four different barrels so um, this one I think has has more cognac character to it um, overall impressions I believe that this beer is a, is a really good example of what an aged uh, old ale would be if the uh, stock ales for uh, were pulled out of the uh, the the cellars back 100 150 years ago and they did develop that funky character to them um, I, I do believe this is probably a pretty close historical representation of the beer with the twist being the the cognac um, in in the beer uh, future plans um, we probably won't do this beer again this was a, a special little one-off deal just um, just to do something fun to to be able to just decided to make some beer um, we are reusing those barrels I've got some uh, beer in it that um, as most people know I'm really not ready to talk about what we've got going on yet until it's ready to release um, but you can look for another cognac barrel aged beer pretty soon in the, Embra the Embrace the Funk series so you know thank you very much for enjoying our beer and thanks for listening uh, we've got a ton of stuff coming out this year in our embrace the funk series um, there's a uh, there's a good amount of, uh, of bottles that we've got ready that are aging right now um, shooting for some draft only around the Nashville and uh, Knoxville Memphis area that I think will be a lot of fun uh, as always we're planning funk fests we'll do that every year it's typically the first weekend of May and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on thanks a lot and now here's the Suds co-host to rate our beer hope they say some good stuff Wow, that was a great clip from Brandon. Um, we are very grateful that he's a he's a really good friend of the show. A not just because we live in Nashville, but I mean also because he started off as a home brewer, and as the majority of us are home brewers, we've got to know him really well over the years. Um, 
and then he joined Yazoo, which is really, really cool. So the Sour Bear program under the Embrace the Funk line series at Yazoo has a long future in front of it. Yazoo is going to make that leap in capacity without any major compromising quality. And, you know, that's a big undertaking, and, and kudos to them for being able to... Um, you know, find another place and dedicate a lot of equipment to the funk line. Um, Brandon has become the Pied Piper of funk, collaborating with other breweries and uh, barrel brokers and discussing techniques with the uh, online Embrace the Funk Forum. Also, um, he was recently at Saver in Washington, D.C., and I hear that the Embrace the Funk series did really well there. Yeah, we uh, these are uh, beers that we have the pleasure of getting to enjoy, you know, quite a bit. Uh, so we have two beers uh, lined up to talk about that Brandon introduced. So first off is uh, Indominus Dolium. Um, this batch is from twelve thirteen fourteen. Mm -hmm. um, Very cool date. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and also, this is a collaboration, like Brandon said, with a barrel broker. And when does that happen? You yeah. Know? So, um, me personally, I really, really dug this beer. And like he had said, you know, it is not what a normal old ale in a barrel would be. But I think it just turned out awesome. Um it has, it, you know, it's an old ale, so you're getting a lot of toffee and caramel notes. And super smooth, though. And and that's what really blew me away. Um, and you get a bit of that cognac at the end. I gave this one a four. Wow, four. How about that? A body should really not make that sound. Dave, what do you think about Indominus Dolium? Uh, it was very good. I, um, I think it was very smooth. I think the barrel... Um, the cognac in the barrel kind of gave it a very unique flavor, but uh, I think overall the barrel aging really smoothed it out, and it drinks a lot smaller than it is like what ten and a half percent or something. It's so, over ten. Yeah, so that's that's a lot of that's a lot of beer, but it really doesn't taste like that. So um, I really enjoyed it. I gave it a four. A four as well. A body should really not make that sound. Up next is good old boy Kendall with his discussion on Indominus Dolium. The one thing I really uh, like about this beer is how it's changing. Um, they, Brandon put some Brett in the bottle, and you, you can taste it. I, I bought a six-pack when it first came out. When it was fresh, I was picking up some sweetness in the middle, along with some strawberry and other fruit flavors. Six months later, as the bread is working, that's fading. It's getting some more of those classic barnyard flavors. Um, I'm excited to see what it's going to be like in six more months or a year as I slowly work through that six-pack. And I've enjoyed this, um, giving it a four. Wow, how about that? A four as well. A body should really not make that sound. Well, uh, my tasting notes are going to be rather brief today uh, for the sake of time. My... Uh, you know, I thought this was a very wine-forward uh, beer. Um, I described it as earthy and tart. My Sed's rating is also a 4 for Indominus Dolium as well. So, four is all the way around. A really great beer. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick segment break here, and we'll be right back. We'll talk about the other beer from Yazoo Brewing.
Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Today on this Suds episode, we are having the Sours of the South featuring beers from three different breweries, Yazoo Brewing, Wicked Weed, as well as Jester King, the three breweries that we're talking about today. And you're getting to hear from each of the brewers themselves. We're talking about the other beer from Yazoo Brewing. Up uh, The next beer we're going to talk about is Derogue. This is Batch 2. Juliana, what are you taking notes on this beer? It's a beautiful Flanders red. Point taken. Um, nice light carbonation. It's not overly sour. It's um, got this great red wine flavor. It's oaky. And it's sour enough just to hit the corners of your jaw and make them happy, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this was a great interpretation. And it's gotten sweeter as it's warmed up, too, which I think is it really has. nice. Mm-hmm. I love you, Brandon. I'm giving it a four. Uh, How about that? A body should really not make that sound. Good old boy Dave, what do you think about Derogue Batch 2 from Yazoo Brewing? Well, Juliana said all the stuff I was going to say. So neener, I, neener, neener. I will just say that I liked it, and I gave it a four. A four as well. How about that? A body should really not make that sound. Well, good old boy Kendall, you have something a bit more enlightening to say about Derogue Batch 2 from Yazoo Brewing. Don't take much. Everything Davis said, but I think one that's thing as brief I, as Davis ever has been. <laughs> I wrote down, it's tart all the way through. So there's some sour beers, you get the tart in the beginning, in the aroma, in the end. This one, you can smell it. It hits you at the beginning, through the middle, and then it kind of lingers. Uh, and I really enjoy the tartness of it, giving it a four. A four as well. The body should really not make that sound. Well, um, my brief tasting notes on Derogue Batch 2 are bright and tart. You know, if I think about the reference standard for Flanders, for me, it's Monk's Cafe. Sure. Um, and so I tend to, you know, my, my uh, palate tends to align with that. And I think it's that the extreme tartness of this um that bright element that really kind of catches up with me um this is a bit brighter than batch one i think um it but is. still um it's great and uh i really look forward to tasting how this evolves over time both this batch and the bottle um as well as uh, the future blendings, you know, that will come about, you know, for this. So I think this will be a great beer. You'll taste it 10, 10 years from now. I, I have confidence this is something that Brandon will keep coming back to as well. So that covers the beers from Yazoo Brewing. Up next, we're going to talk about beers from Wicked Weed. So here's Walt Dickinson from Wicked Weed introducing his beers for us. Hello, all you listeners out there to uh, Sips, Suds, and Smokes. This is Walt Dickinson. I'm head blender, one of the owners at Wicked Weed Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, And these guys have been so gracious as to have me on to talk about sour beer in the Southeast, and specifically the beers that we craft. And, um, you know, we're we're a brewery that's been around since uh, we opened December 28th, 2012. So it's been a short two and a half years and uh, just a total whirlwind. And, And part of what we believed in early on was we wanted to make beers that spoke to kind of who we were as brewers, and um, we love making dry hopped and very aggressive West Coast style hoppy beers, but the other side is we love wild fermentation and Britannomyces, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, all the things out there that um, give us kind of a, a direction and a, an artistic vision to what we're doing and, and get, get away from the predictability of beer and more into the spontaneity and the excitement of the adventure that kind of lies ahead as a brewer. So. 
What I'm going to talk to you about today is just a couple of the brands that we produce. Uh, one that we produce uh, year-round. There's usually three releases a year, and that's our Oblivion Sour Red with blackberries and dates. Um, I'm going to talk to you guys about that. I'm also going to talk to you about our Red Angel, which is part of our Angel series. So um, just a little background on that. Black Angel, which is a dark sour aged in whiskey barrels with a pound per gallon of tart cherries. It was the first sour beer that really spoke to kind of the creative vision that we had for what we were doing. I mean, we made a blonde sour, but then we made that beer and it kind of said, you know, this is what American craft beer is about. It's about taking things, spinning them on their head, and then using the skill sets we built as brewers to kind of bring it back into balance. Um, and, and that beer really meant something to who we'd become as a brewery. So what we did is we spawned the Angel series, and it's a series of beers, uh, the Red Angel with uh, raspberries, the Gold Angel or Golden Angel with apricots, the White Angel, which is a myriad of, of white grapes, some wild grapes and some cultivated grapes, and then the Angel of Darkness, which um, I think everybody's going to find out about one day soon. Anyways, um, first I want to talk to you guys about Oblivion. Oblivion is kind of our ode to tradition though still being a Wicked Weed beer. It is a very, uh, you know, rounded, uh, very layered, complex, but strong in its flavor, um, firm acidity. Uh, it's a 8.9% uh, sour red with blackberries and dates aged in always first use Pinot or Cabernet barrels. This beer was really spoke to the roots of what sour beer is in America. I mean, when you think of American sour beer, you think of La Folie and you think of Consecration, the beers that really kind of spoke to defining what American sour beer would be. So this was our interpretation of those beers. Those are two beers and two brewers, Lauren and Vinny, who've you know, greatly influenced our craft and really inspire us. And so we decided we were going to make this beer. Uh, the way we brew this beer is, uh, it is, it is a hundred percent, uh, wild yeast fermented. Uh, we take that and then we'll go ahead and, um, we're going to add, uh, about 80 pounds per 15 barrels of blackberries and another 50 pounds of dates per 15 barrels. Uh, it, this is, again, the fruit character is layered in the background. So when you get this beer, first of all, you're going to get a, a really great kind of over, overall lemony, you know, a brightness to the acidity that's coming off in the nose, lots of, of leather. We believe deeply in the, the presence of Britannomyces in these beers. Um, you're getting that kind of aged hay, musky, brett thing going on. Uh, that kind of layers into the fruit character. And, and you definitely notice the blackberries bright in the nose. As you smell it, it kind of um, it, it brings the rest of the beer up and gives you kind of a complexity, but behind that are all those aged sugars, you know, the, the melanoid malts, the crystal malts that kind of layer in with that date character. In the flavor, very firm acidity, uh, roundness to it, extremely dry, a little bit of tannin. You get that grape character in the background from the wine that was residual in the barrel, but this is really a beer that's about being very assertively sour, but dry, a touch of acetic character to, to kind of round it out a little bit of that hint of vinegar that's always important in the style, but just a hint that adds to kind of the lusciousness and the juiciness of, of the actual beer. Uh, it's a really special beer, one of the ones that kind of sticks out in our profile and something that we believe is just part of what you should have in your program if you're gonna make sour beer. Now the second beer I wanna talk about is Red Angel, and that's the one I'm drinking right now. Um, this beer is kind of, um, you know, it's it's, been the culmination of a lot of what we've learned over the last you know two and a half years in our barrel program so we're really excited to see where we go in the future but right now we've kind of built all these tools right and those tools allow us to make different things and and what we did is we wanted to take a beer and really 
pay a little bit of homage to the lambic style, you know, the frambois or the creek and, and this very fruit forward beer, but at the same time, uniquely American. Um, so we, we took a beer, 100% Brett, fermented it, uh, go into punchins. So these are larger oak barrels. They're 500 liter, um, large vats. Those age in that for somewhere in the eight to 10 month range. At that point, uh, the entire time it sat in those large punchins, it's been sitting on a pound and a half per gallon of raspberries. Uh, once it's finished aging on those raspberries and we have the acidity we want and it's the Brett's kind of come out and we've got the complexity and it's a well-developed beer, we go ahead and we pull it out of that and then we run those same barrels, we blend them back into stainless steel. And once we go into the stainless steel, we add another pound and a half of raspberries per gallon. What that allows us to do is it gives us this long-term layered complexity of the raspberry character, all of the funk and all of the, the things that we're gonna draw out of the Britannomyces and the lacto in our house culture. Um, and then we're able to kind of inject it with a brightness of fruit character, a freshness of fruit character. So as it referments on all of those fresh raspberries, and these are local, you know, local raspberries for the most part, almost all organic. Um, and as it referments on those, we blanket it with CO2, so we're keeping oxygen out and we're really just getting that that brightness, that moment of when you pick you know, a fresh berry off the vine and you bite into it and that juicy explosion in your mouth. All of that finished by a very dry, clean acidity. Again, none of these beers are sweet, extremely dry. That's kind of the mantra at Wicked Weed is a balanced, dry, acidic beer that is you know, thirst quenching and quaffable. So, as I smell this beer, I mean, the first thing that kind of hits me is almost a raspberry seed brightness to it. I mean, it just kind of explodes out of the glass. You get that stereotypical Brett thing. It's very important that that's in the background because it's really the, the glue that ties all these things together. Because at a certain point, if you're just fruity and acidic, uh, it lacks complexity. It's the layering of the Brett characters. Actually, I think pull the fruit character into kind of a new realm where you can have a very complex expressive fruit character to a beer without it being you know without it just being one note and so as that brett develops and kind of backs up all that bright fruit character but again in the nose there's no doubt you are just getting a face full of raspberries so now as i taste this beer i mean again just that that moment of biting into a fresh raspberry I can almost taste the like the lemony kind of seed thing a little bit of tannin in the back but just that overwhelming raspberry character a little bit of funk kind of hanging around the sides again that little bit of leatheriness but really it finishes so dry so quenching and just really drives me back to the beer and makes me want to take another sip and as i move through you know sip by sip i kind of layer into more complexity my palate adjusts to one side i find another another nuance of the beer and i think that's the beauty of these beers and why they're special so Anyways, those are two beers we make. I, uh, I hope that you get a chance to try them. We're only in North Carolina right now, but we are filling a lot of barrels. We've got about 800 barrels that are filled in the program right now, plus a fooder, and we look forward to filling many more. And so please come visit us in Asheville. And if, if you can't get our sour beer, please try somebody else's because sour beer is a really beautiful craft that is you know evolving in the U.S., and we're, we're excited to be a part of it. Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to me babble on about these beers I love so much. Uh, we got a lot more coming down the pipeline. Again, we're always trying to do something new and unique. But now I'm going to go ahead and hand it back over to the guys at the Suds. Uh, they're going to rate this beer. I, uh, I hope they like it as much as we do. I think we're pretty hard on our beer, so if it makes it out the door, I think these guys will like it. But uh, there's nothing like a, a truth teller to put you back in your place. So we'll see how it goes. Even in this short span of time, Wicked Weed has created not only a stellar line of sour beers, but an awesome location to showcase these beers. Uh, love hanging out at the Funkatorium. 
it showcases Wicked Weed Sour Beers in a separate from their uh, other location. I think Brendan probably cringes every time he hears that and mm-hmm. did not think of that name himself first. <laughs> so we're going to have to come up with something else for the Nashville Funk Place. Uh, but I love the passion in Walt's explanation. Uh, Oblivion has been around for a while, but the Angel series is a whole new experiment. Many of us were fortunate to try this uh, brewery, only uh, the only release at the Embrace the Funk Festival, and we've been enjoying uh, more of the Angel series at, at the Funk Asheville Festival. So uh, let's uh, check out Oblivion first. So Oblivion was the sour red. Juliana, what did you think about uh, Oblivion here? Yum. Again, like a good standard Flanders red, it is tart and um, it's whiny and um, it's got great acidity to it as well. What do you mean it's whiny? (laughs) Just like you. No. Um, This is a good solid four. Wow. How about that? Another four. A body should really not make that sound. Dave, what do you think about Oblivion from Wicked Weed? So this one is the one with the blackberries and the dates. I think, yeah. Oh, I did a little Reverend Mark. Sorry. <laughs> um, exactly. The, the thing about this beer that stands out most to me, uh, especially when it was colder, was the date. Uh, kind of added sort of a very unique kind of spicy flavor to it that I really enjoyed. Um, I actually gave this beer a five. A five? How about that? Listen to hang time. Give me another. Wow. Not even halfway through the episode yet. Um, and we have our first five. Uh, good old boy Kendall, what do you think about Oblivion from Wicked Weed? I like the blackberries I'm getting from it and a little bit of malt sweetness that kind of hits you in the middle. Um, very enjoyable beer. It's a four to me. Mm, a four as well. A body should really not make that sound. Well, uh, my tasting notes here on Oblivion, again, rather brief, um, kind of sour and earthy. I've had this a lot. I've probably had this beer like eight times. Um, so it's really great. I thought what was interesting was having it in the flight itself and um, how fast that it was aligning with uh, some of the other beers um, that were there as well. I think that I tasted the uh, Indominus uh, um, right next to this and they share an awful lot of they're very very close to each other they mm-hmm. do yeah and I think it's that earthiness quality that is literally the same I think that I wrote that one was sour and the other one was tart I think that was the only unique characteristic you know difference between the two so mm. and I bet if you blended the two together <laughs> I don't I think that would be rather interesting so Kendall you've done that on the fly He's doing it on the fly now, so I'll let nice. him do that. My Sedge rating for Oblivion Sour Red was actually a three. Ooh. Ah, what a relief. And it so, sounds well. Yeah. I figured that that might be a great choice. Um, all right. So up next is the second beer from Wicked Weed, which was Red Angel. Juliana, what do you think about Red Angel? I want to drink this every day. I just want to go on record. Um... I mean, what a beautiful blend of peaches and raspberries and tartness. And it is it is so... It, this is like another one I want to wear as a cologne. Um, it, <laughs> no, it's got mm. this... I mean... It, it's, Weller 12, Red Angel. That would be hey, an interesting date. I, <laughs> Don't get pulled over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. No, it Ma'am, is, I smell alcohol in your breath. I have no alcohol in my it's breath. It's actually on my neck and my shoulder. <laughs> 
behind each ear. It's just so, and I also need to make a jam out of this. I really do. But <laughs> start it, a whole line. Yeah, really, sour mm-hmm. jams. Um, I, I'm giving this a five. Wow, a five for the Red Angel. Listen, to hang time. Give me another. Dave, what do you think about Red Angel from Wicked Weed? Well, I think in the intro he said something along the lines of face full of raspberries. Um, Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Especially when it was a little bit colder and we first tasted it. That it was a full frontal raspberry assault, and it was awesome. I know you really enjoy raspberry beers, Mike. Um, But uh, I I really love the flavor of raspberries, and I think uh, that with... uh, that tartness and in, in the in the tart and sweet mix of the raspberry, which is so cool, uh, blended well with the red wine barrels, um, and just made this beer outstanding and very complex. Uh, I also gave it a five. Wow, a five as well. Listen, at hang time. Give me another good boy, Kendall. What do you think about Red Angel from Wicked Weed? I think this is one of my favorite ones of the flight, um, and it goes back to my childhood. I used to love, there was a raspberry lemon Kool-Aid, and this takes me back to those memories of being a kid, and there's so many great citrusy raspberry flavors in this that it's like the Kool-Aid for grown-ups, and um, I'm giving it a five. Wow, a five as well. I thought for a second you were going to say you used to drink sour beers when you were a kid. At that point, I would want to know his hometown. Yeah, that's a whole nother show. (laughs) When I was growing up, we had to have uh, Dad made us drink a sour beer every day. Well, I think it's the first time I've heard anybody use the word Kool-Aid, rating a a beer, and at the same time giving it a five. So uh, I applaud the the real stretch of the uh, tasting notes there for sure. Childhood nostalgia. Yeah, I I love that. (laughs) I'm just waiting for the Kool-Aid guy to come through the wall. Oh, yeah. Um, so my tasting notes uh, on Red Angel again, very brief. Hello, Raspberry. <laughs> um, so it. Uh, so Dave is right. I am not a raspberry f- uh, beer f- uh, fan. Uh, for any of you that listen to any of the Valentine Day shows we've done, um, especially the one that was all raspberries, <clears throat> um, I definitely had to grin and bear my way through that. But. Uh, I, I will say that I thought that this got better as it warmed up yeah. uh, for me. The raspberries kind of um, became a bit more tame, mm-hmm. if, I, if that's a real way of describing it, or approachable. The heavy you know, tartness element just kind of softened a bit, maybe as it warmed up. So, um, so keeping in mind, I'm not a raspberry fan lover. I still gave this a, a three, a solid three, by the way. Uh, what a relief. All right, so we've had uh, two of the three uh, breweries so far. We'll be right back after this break. Thanks for coming back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Today is a Suds episode. We're talking about Sours of the South with beers from Yazoo Brewing, Wicked Weed Brewing, and Jester King. Up next, uh, we're going to talk about beers from Jester King. So here is Garrett Crowell from Jester King to introduce his beers for us. 
Hi, this is Garrett Crowell, head brewer of Jester King Brewery outside of Austin, Texas. We're a small farmhouse brewery located on, uh, on a working ranch on the outskirts of Austin. We specialize in mix, mixed fermentation farmhouse ales, meaning our beers are fermented with a, a mixture of many different yeasts and bacteria rather than one yeast, one lab-cultured yeast like many other breweries use. Uh, we have a few lab-cultured yeasts in our blend, or they were lab-cultured at one point in time, but uh, through sequential use, I, I believe, have evolved into kind of their own, their own unique thing here at our brewery. Um, we've also got some indigenous yeast and bacteria in our blend that we've cultured off of, off of wildflowers from the property and from the bottom of some of our barrels and then from some of our spontaneous fermentations as well. Each winter we pursue um, kind of a traditional process of, of doing cool ship beer where we'll boil wort for four hours with aged hops and then send it through a cool ship uh, to cool overnight and to be inoculated with whatever indigenous and ambient yeasts are, are in the air. And then we send it to barrels and we leave it alone. And uh, it's, uh, it ferments away and, and we've been doing this for three years now, the, the spontaneous fermentations, and so far so good. So some of that, that yeast has made it into our house culture as well. Um, and as such, we, we see kind of a, a rotation of character in our beers, with the wintertime beer being more, more acidic uh, and more tart, and then the warmer season, like pretty much fall, um, summer, late spring here for us in Texas, we see pretty, pretty clean beer early on. Um, early fermentation is pretty neutral, pretty yeast forward, like Saccharomyces, and then, and then throughout, um, you know, extended aging, especially in the bottle, or those beers will tend to pick up a little acidity. <clears throat> so the, the beers included here, um, our two beers, I feel really represent what we do best at, uh, at Jester King. Um, Le Petit Prince, which is our farmhouse table beer. That's pretty much my, my favorite beer that we brew. I think it's kind of a testament to, to subtlety and restraint. It's a very, very simple beer. 2.9% um, alcohol. Um, usually the grist is about 85% Pilsner, 15% wheat, give or take. Um, and then just kind of an array of noble hops. And where I feel this beer really shines is through, through showcasing our mixed culture in kind of its purest and unaltered form. Um, you know, there's, there aren't a, a whole lot of hops in this beer, so it doesn't really overshadow the yeast very much. Um, but really, I feel it's such a delicate, uh, delicate beer and such a great presentation of what what mixed culture fermentation can be. It doesn't have to be this this hugely aggressive or sour beer. It can be this dainty, beautiful, delicate little thing. Um, and on the other hand, we've got uh, Nocturne Chrysalis, which is a, a barrel-aged sour beer that's been re-fermented with, uh, with pureed blackberries. And this beer, I feel, is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of, of Petit Prince in that it's, it's a little more obvious, you know? It's a little... It's a little more acidic, um, and then there's the fruit, which the fruit really takes the show in this one. It's really kind of front and forward, um, which it's really fun beer to make and really fun to see that process of what mixed culture fermentation can do out outside of just you know barley and hops and water, and, and when you add fruit to it, the different complexities you can coax out of that as well. Um, you know, I hope you guys en enjoy the beers and.
thank you for listening. Uh, Dave had a little bit of reaction to Garrett's uh, introduction of his beers here for us. Well, you know, it, it took me back, you know, nostalgically to our Jester King episode, which was an amazing episode. <laughs> I, in fact, in particular, was awesome. Uh, on that one and I think I was probably so funny that I broke the show um, because uh, it sort of died and we never got to air it Um, this is a complete waste of time it was well (laughs) it wasn't a waste of time because we did get to drink Jester King beer absolutely it was Um, a great day But I, I think I remember talking about uh, you know them up on the roof at night trying to harvest or uh, herd in their little wild yeast. You know, here, buggy, here, buggy, come here, come here, buddy. <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, we also got to talk about their commitment to to brewing locally. You know, um, using the local ingredients, their local wild yeast, and uh, the uh, that Texas well water that they have to doctor up a little bit to make it work right. Well, it is uh, such a, an amazing long-term commitment that they've uh, made um, at Jester King. Um, the other things that I've really enjoyed about Jester King is um, how uh, gracious they are in sharing um, their facility and the collaboration beers that they've done out of Jester King. Um I really know a lot of great brewers uh, that have been there and done an, a number of, of collaborations. Um, Corey King uh, from uh, Side Project, as well as uh, Perennial Arsenal, uh, has done a collaboration with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yepe from uh, Evil Twin has ah. uh, done a great a number of uh, collaborations with Jester King. Yeah. Um, so they really have. Uh, um, Collaborated with other Funkmeisters. Well, they uh, they also, I, you know, th- there's kind of a big thing now, and it's it's not brand brand new, but a lot of uh, breweries are sharing recipes uh, and and putting them out for home brewers to be able to do. And Jester King uh, really got on board with that early on too. Mm. So that was cool. Well, let's uh, talk about the two beers uh, that they. Uh, shared with us uh, so I really appreciate Garrett, Garrett's uh, introduction the first is La, Pe- uh, La Petite Prince Juliana what do you think about uh, La Petite Prince classic farmhouse barnyard grassy yum sets four wow how about that that's rather brief uh, body should really not make that sound uh, Dave what do you think about this Texas classic La Petite Prince well, uh, to uh, use a popular uh, micism, got a lot of barn house in that. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, definitely a classic to style, um, low alcohol, very crisp and refreshing. I give it a four as well. Uh, a four as well. Body should really not make that sound. And good old boy Kendall, what do you think about uh, La Petite Prince? Very um, drinkable farmhouse ale. You know, I could put away quite a bit of this. Um, I will say the the label kind of freaks me out. Uh, those <laughs> those big eyes, but I can look overlook the label because this beer is delicious. Uh, four, a four. How about that? A body should really not make that sound as well. My tasting nuts for Le Petit Prince. You know, I wrote down pleasing, approachable. This is the funk on ramp. Um, I really think that if there were somebody in my house that they would say, 
I've never had a sour beer before. Uh, can you like introduce it? You know, uh, t- uh, one of those. This would be one of a handful of choices that I would exactly. pick. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I really think this is very approachable, um, and uh, I think this is really great. I agree with Kendall. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that we don't have like a, a corny keg of this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think we could kill it. Could get, really get yeah. into this and go. What happened to that keg, man? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, my son's rating for uh, La Petite Prince is a four. A body should really not make that sound. Well, up next is our last beer we have to talk about today, which is also from Jester King called Nocturne Chrysalis. Chrysalis, I'm sorry. Nocturne Chrysalis. Juliana, what do you think about this beer? And just a, a note, the Nocturne Chrysalis is a... Um blackberry from oglesby texas which um they've utilized in this beer and what a beautiful beer it is the nose is so sweet it's like blackberry jam and then as you taste it as it warms up it just gets funkier and more blackberry and i I need to make a jam out of this i love it this (laughs) is a good four a good four A body should really not make that sound. Dave, what do you think about uh, Nocturne Chrysalis from Jester King? So this was, uh, you know, we had a lot of great beers in this flight. This was, to me, my favorite by far. I think this was, this is probably one of the best beers I've ever had. Um, Thank you for getting it. And um, Garrett, if you're listening, please uh, email me uh, (laughs) some instructions on how I can make it. Or (laughs) just send me a couple bottles or cases. (laughs) definitely yeah no um but it's it's uh from the aroma through the mouthfeel um and and the blackberry is just amazing how much that flavor comes out and it's it's not overwhelming it's it's everything is so well balanced in it that's the best part um this beer is amazing if there was a sudge rating of 12 i would give it that it probably sound like a cowbell but i will give it a five (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Glad we got the cowbell in there somehow today. Uh, listen to that hang time. Give me another good old boy, Kendall. What do you think about Nocturne Chrysalis from Jester King? This was one of my favorites today. And I know I said the Raid Angel was my favorite. So this is uh, my other favorite. Um, but the blackberries are just so big and in your face and just... Mm. Everything about the beer just screams delicious blackberries. It's almost like a, a pie, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a five. Hmm. How about that? Listen, to hang time. Give me another. <clears throat> well, uh, my own uh, tasting notes for uh, Nocturne Chrysalis. Um, I wrote down complex uh, plum and raspberry. Um, so blackberry is the proper berry. Thank you very much, Kendall, for getting in on the right berry. As I went back and tasted it, so um, I was sharing uh, before we uh, hopped here on the mics uh, that I recently um, spent some time with Spike from uh, Terrapin, and I tasted the blackberry cobbler that uh, they make out of Terrapin. Mm-hmm. Great beer, by the way. Uh, maybe we'll have it on the show. Maybe we'll have Spike on the show someday. Um, but... Um, yeah, you know, I thought this was a, um, a nice kissing cousin uh, to the to the black blackberry cobbler. 
uh, I am with uh, both Dave and Kendall. I this was my favorite beer out of the flight. Amazing. Usually, you know, I I don't find a lot of complexity or layers, you know, of flavor in a lot of sour beers. This it was like you know twenty layers of mm-hmm. flavor. It was just kept on going and going and going. And I was, yeah. I think the only thing I was disappointed was finding the bottom of my glass. Yeah. <laughs> That's about the only thing I didn't like about I this. I like the bottom of my glass. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so um, listen, Garrett, send us more beer out of, for, out of this batch. We'll definitely talk about it all day long because my sets rating for this is a five as well. Listen to hang time. Give me another. Well, uh, some really great discussion that we've had all around on all of these sour beers. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed the introduction by the brewers um, of their beers today, as well as our discussion about their beers and their ratings. So hopefully this was a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun as we talk about sour beers from some other regions as well. Well, let's uh, wrap up our episode for today. Well, thanks to all our listeners here at Sips, Suds, and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are questioning every time the Dave shows up with a giant bushel of blackberries and goes, Hey, um, didn't we follow a restraining order? <laughs> they still choose to put us on the air anyway. <laughs> Wow, that's not cool. Everybody likes blackberries. I agree. Well, uh, if you'd like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, listen, send them a note. Copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime. Our email address is info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at Smoke, And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. And look forward to our Periscope shows Uh-oh. on uh, Twitter. Oh. Yeah, that's right. You might catch a bunch of us with a flight of some great products in front of us going, hmm, I wonder what we're going to talk about on the show next. Uh, listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode. If you're listening to us online, that's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. This Sip, Suds, and Spokes episode is sponsored by Peabody Wine and Beer Merchants. Taste it before you buy it and ship it at Peabody's, www.peabodyswineandbeer.com. Kendall, how can folks catch up with you on Beer Makes 3? Well, Beer Makes 3 is a blog that my wife and I started about three years ago with the goal of educating and evangelizing um, people on the good news of good beer. So, I've never heard the word evangelize and beer thrown together. Not in that context, anyways. <laughs> it is good news, people. <laughs> I agree. Hallelujah. So uh, look us up, um, Beer Makes 3, that's the, the word 3, T-H-R-E-E, and BeerMakes3.com, or on Twitter at, at BeerMakes3. Thank you for spelling that out for Dave. <laughs> I forgot it. I can't even count to three. Yeah, you should have been on the Japanese show. Nichi da wa. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, Kendall, thank you for joining us on this episode of Sip, Suts, and Smokes. I had a fun time. Drink good beer, everyone. Good old boy. Good old gal Juliana, thank you for joining me. I almost did it. Good old gal Juliana, thank you for joining us on this episode. Just because I'm wearing a Hawks jersey doesn't mean that I turn into a boy. (laughs) And by the way, listeners, I need a hobby now or something to do this summer now that hockey's over. (laughs) Good old boy Dave. See, I almost flipped it around just for you. Thank you for being here. (laughs) I don't even know how to follow that. Send me an email at leave the cork in at sipsudsmokes.com. 
thank you uh, all of our listeners for joining us once again i'll ask you to come back and join us this is good old boy mike asking you to keep on sipping This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.